Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I'm Steve Mathis, pulphockey.com, and uh, please check it out there. Get it on the the Stitcher app. Get it on any kind of podcatcher app uh, that you have, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for the downloads. Appreciate it. We're here each and every week to uh, talk about the game of hockey, and uh, thanks again. All right, with me on the line, the man that really knows hockey well, uh, TSN lead color analyst, former NHLer, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? Um, I'm good. Um, just in uh, Winnipeg, going to fly to New York today. Got uh, Had the Jets last night, which is always kind of fun to, to come to a game here. The, um, for people that haven't been to the to the arena here in, mm-hmm. in Winnipeg, like, there's, there's just, uh, it's just different in a lot of ways. Like, it's loud, there's energy, there, um, you know, I, I go to, you know, in every rank, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the year, and like last night, the the Jets are up three one. There's they're on they're killing a penalty with about three minutes left. They kill it off. There's like a huge ovation, like a playoff ovation, <laughs> right, not right. just like a not like just a couple of hand claps. And like they're this is the first of a kind of a ridiculous ten game homestand they're on. Mm-hmm. And like the people are they're into it. They're into their team. They're it's really it's really pretty cool to watch. I I um. I enjoy coming here to do games. It's one of my, I would say it's one of my favorite places. Well, it's it's my hometown. I've been there a few times. Um, by the way, is it cold there? Uh, it's not warm. <laughs> okay. Um, it, is, it is the, it is not uncold. It's, it that way. I'm always surprised when, I was always surprised that they got the team back because the arena that you speak of, I mean, it's really a small place. It's really a minor league arena. You know, but, well, but it, 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 it would be an it would be an A plus minor league arena. Yes, 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 exactly. Um, it, but, it's but, fifteen thousand three hundred or fifteen thousand four hundred seats. Mm-hmm. I think it was thirteen something when before they got the Jets. They had to do some reseeding, I think. But but anyways, yes, yeah. it, it's uh, it's 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 close. It's the low roof packed in there. You know what I mean? I think that's what adds to it. I think is the way. You know, it's not this expansive uh, Bell Center type of arena. You know, so well, it's um, it, it would be closer to an old school arena mm-hmm. um, than any of the new ones that are built um, yeah. and that the teams playing now. You know, you talk about close, and that's what it used to be like in the Boston Garden and the yeah. Gar- Maple Leaf Gardens or yeah. the Montreal Forum, yeah. yeah, Chicago Stadium, really any of those old ones. The the seating was just close, and it was they were smaller buildings, right? So to the new buildings, there's more amenities, there's more boxes. They're, yep, you know, they're they're bigger and brighter and all that stuff, but they're not necessarily better. Mm-hmm. And the the other thing is like the the Jets fans. I think they were starting to get a little restless here. Like, okay, yeah, we understand there's lots of promise. We get it. The team's pretty good. Mm-hmm. We understand that. Oh, this, you know, it's going to be better. When is it going to be better? And then I would say the key this year for the Jets more than anything else was the play of Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Remember they, their goaltender. Remember in the offseason, they signed Steve Mason two years, 4.5 million. He got lit up in his first two starts. Hellebuck had spent the majority of his summer in Kelowna in, in BC, mm-hmm. working with a goaltending coach, basically redefining how he played. And he came back, and for a guy that's always had, well, not always, but has had lots of promise since they won the World Junior gold mm-hmm. medal in Ufa, Russia in 2013, uh, 2014, he was, um, he seemed to have stalled a little bit. He got into this play good for 56 minutes, give up two weak ones, you know, and yep. kill, you know, the team was killed. So he took over for Mason. Once he got the net, he literally has not given it up. Mason struggled. Now he's got a concussion for, you know, he's had two in relatively short order, yep. which is concerning. And um, 
so now, you know, it's, it's Hellebuck and Michael Hutchison played last night. He was the beneficiary of four goal posts behind him. Like yeah. he's, he's not yeah. the long-term answer. Yep. But Hellebuck, I think, more than any other player, is as responsible for what's happened here um, this year. And they're, they're in first place in a hellacious division, yep. and you can't take a back step or else you go from first to sixth in about two days. Yeah, friends I have there said, well, I was up, I was up there for the Knights-Jets game in December, and some friends I have there that are pretty plugged in and they go to a lot of games, they said that for the first time that they can remember since the Jets came back, two things. One, some empty seats, beginning of the year. Two, uh, coach Paul Maurice, uh, general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff, coming under some heat. Like, what's going on, guys? Like, come on. You know what I mean? One playoff appearance yeah. since they came back. And my uh, people that I that I know, that, that, that I talked to, said that those are two things that were finally happening um, before the year and kind of beginning of the year. Well, it's interesting, um, you know, and I tied to, like, the restlessness of the fans that they've, they've been told here for a number of years about the prospect pool, about how mm-hmm. Winnipeg is at the very top of the league in their young prospects. The problem is when you tell somebody to have patience, that means the reason you're telling them that is because they're out of patience. <laughs> it's you know, a very it's good not line, right. They've got, yes, lots, right? they've got lots stored up. They're out of it. Yep. They're like, okay, enough, just as you said. So it was imperative that they got off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Not so much for their job security, because both Maurice and Shevel Dayoff were signed to extensions. And there was some rustling about that, too. The mm-hmm. people here were like, why are they getting extended? Oh, yeah. They've not even mm-hmm. made the playoffs. Well, finally, their predictions um, have come to roost a little bit. Kyle yeah. Connor got a 16th goal last night. Yep. We know what Patrick Laine does. His, his goal last night on the power play was an absolute bullet again. Uh, Josh Morrissey, another first-rounder. He's become one of their shutdown defenders. Another draft pick who they just lost for two months, Jacob Truba is part of that pair. They match up nose-to-nose against the other team's best line. Mm-hmm. Mark Scheisley's a stud. Yeah. Nikolai Eli- Ehlers is as electrifying a player as there is. These are all their own home drafts. And so, you know, like there's, there, there's so many ways to think about this. And, you know, there's, there's the patience that's required after you draft a player. Nobody wants to hear about the labor pains. They just want yeah. to see the baby. Yeah. That's all they want. They yeah. want to see the baby. Great, you're at, you got a long labor, good. When's the baby coming? Well, maybe now they're at a point where this becomes a playoff team yeah. and perennially, perennially becomes a playoff team because they're, they're not set up to be a one-and-out team. You're the biggest fan of Blake Wheeler. You've said it many, many times. Um, Mark Shifley goes out with an injury. I don't know how much longer he's got now. I forget what it was uh, at the time. He's just starting. He's just starting to roll a bit. So I would, I yeah. would say he's got a couple of weeks left. So Blake Wheeler jumps into the middle, and and Ray, you love that. You love that guy. You love that move. They, they keep rolling. I, I, I can't believe it's worked as well. I mean, like <laughs> right. not, it's it's not it's not as easy as he's made it look. Yeah. And so the the other thing, you know, Paul Maurice um, mentioned yesterday that. Without Shifley and without Adam Lowry, who came back last night, two of their top three centers, so they've had to kind of protect a little bit the Wheeler line mm-hmm. because he's playing with Lion A and Jack Roslevic. So two extremely young players. And so you can't really match them up head-to-head yet, you know, with another team's top line, mm-hmm. which is where Wheeler and Shifley had played prior. So... You would think if you can't match them up against the best line that his minutes are going to suffer a little bit, except they don't. He plays over 20 minutes a night. Yep. And so he plays kind of, as I watched last night, he, he plays kind of a, a morphing around position. It's sort of center, but it's kind of on the wing. Mm-hmm. Roslovic plays on the wing and kind of in the middle a little bit. Like, he's really smart, Wheeler is. Roslovic is extremely fast, and they've... They were good last night. When the Jets were having a little trouble early, when Tampa was quicker, um, that was their that was their best line. Roswellvik was terrific in the first period. So uh, there's lots to like about the Jets, Steve. I, I just don't see them going away. Yeah. I, you know, when when you talk about a, a 
a murderous division. I think five teams are going to make it from that division, mm-hmm. and the Jets are going to be one of them. Yeah, and, and it'll be great. It'll be great. They have a, they, I, I want them to be successful. They have a fun team. They're one, remember, we they've talked a while ago. Yeah. They've never won a playoff team. Yeah. yeah never mind a series. Right. They made the playoffs once right. since Atlanta, you know, since we yeah. were the, the franchise in 99. They get into the playoffs and they get kabonged out in four, four games. They come back to Winnipeg. They play one series. They lose in four games. They've never won a playoff game as a, as a franchise. Were you treated properly as an alumni? Uh, not as an alumni, but the people <laughs> of Winnipeg were were really good. Um, they were really good. Outside of the security guy who seemed to be, uh, um, he should be working for Border Patrol. Oh yeah, um, really? Oh yeah. The he, he was, he the guy at the door, yeah, the guy at the yeah. door of the arena. You mean? Or yeah, somebody, well, the yeah. guy at the media entrance there. It's yeah. like I could see my pass, my media pass, sitting on the table pass security and i'm like i don't have my security i don't have my media pass i got my nhl pass it gets me into all 31 rinks he goes not here I go, well if you turn around you could pick up my pass it's right there right and so he had to call two people to get the pass which literally i'm not making this up was an arm's length away <laughs> really that's awesome and so i'm like well okay all righty hold on let's talk about this nhl pass what are you talking about what is that well, I have a NHL media pass. Oh, All the broadcasters oh. get them. So, so you get into arenas that basically um, a lot of times are, this is ridiculous, but they drop our media passes off at the production truck, okay, which is inside the arena. <laughs> right. But we can't get inside the arena until we get the yeah, pass. Right. So it would seem to me to make more sense to leave it at security. It would seem to, yes. Well, <laughs> however, this this detail has been overlooked. So you have you have two passes to get well, into. No, I have yeah. one, but oh. I've got to get the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but every game or whatever, you got to get a, get one, and then you have one type deal. It's like gargling rocks. It's really not <laughs> that smooth. Um, hey, you don't do a ton of jet games, so when you parachute in like that. Uh, any different for you? Any more work? Any um, any more yep, things lots to do? Different. Yep. Lots different. Um, more more prep for sure. Um, I uh, I get onto my uh, my game center and um, watch the game the last couple of games, which was a little odd because the last game yeah. was a week ago. Right. And then you know they only played a couple of games before their previous break. Mm-hmm. So scan the games. Um, uh, got you know we're lucky in Winnipeg. You get access to Paul Maurice and. He's really good about when I ask a question that he's probably covered with the other broadcasters three yeah. times before. He he's really good about getting me back up to speed. And then once the game starts, I mean it's it's not so much about historical reference; it's about what's happening in front of me. And yep. um, you know, and so the the other thing is um, it's all unfamiliar coming in. I don't know you know where you go, where you eat, where you get to the benches. How you, it's all unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like it, Steve, because it keeps it fresh. You do know the way to get to Palomino, though. Not anymore. <laughs> it's gone now. I walked. But, yeah. I walked from my hotel uh-huh. to the arena and back, and that was a that was enough of outside for me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm soft now. You know, kind of like you in Vegas, you just get soft. Oh, you do, you do. Um, I was watching. I've, I didn't get the TSN feed down here on my Game Center or whatever my whatever I think my package is called Center Ice. But so I got the Tampa Bay one. You were next to Brian Inglom down there on the ice, and uh, member of the powerhouse Habs teams, Brian Inglom. God, the stories! I I did a podcast with him thanks to your help, and uh, great storyteller. What what a what a what a guy to be part of those teams. He uh, he is an awesome guy. He loves to laugh. Mm-hmm. He he often doesn't get through his stories without laughing, which makes the stories even better. Yeah. Um, and so he was on this team. He was a quiet, shut-down defender playing around all this brilliance. And, I mean, it's not like they right? They didn't win one oh, no. cup. They yeah. won one, two, three, four, five. Yep. And so he's got a handful of rings. And um, Brian was, um, was a very, very good, very quiet uh, NHL player. And he, on that team, you didn't have to be more than that. They rolled out those yeah. big three. Robinson, uh, LaPointe, and Savard. And Brian's job was to fill in around them and and he did an outstanding job there, and he's and he's a 
He's a really good broadcaster, and he's a terrific guy. He's really great to, to be around. Yeah, it goes back to the ESPN days for you, Brian does. Yep, yeah, I've known yep. Brian since he had that really long mullet flip hairdo. <laughs> uh, go back into the archives, people, and listen to the one-on-one I did with him. Fantastic stories of the great Hab teams. And he didn't like Scotty Bowman. He, 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 you could see that he didn't get mesh with Scotty very well. And, and uh, it was a great story. It was a great storyteller. Um, hey, so we didn't have a show last week. By the way, lots to cover. Let's get at it. Um, when you do three games in three nights, I believe. How is that, right? I did four. I did four and four nights in four cities last week. Yes. How is that? Um, that is not optimal. <laughs> it's not optimal. So I flew into Minneapolis on Sunday. Yep. Did the game in Minnesota on Monday. Uh, Ottawa, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Tuesday morning, flew to St. Louis. Flight got delayed because of snow. Actually flew in Tuesday afternoon. Ottawa, St. Louis, Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, I flew into Chicago. Did Toronto and Chicago for NBC. Mm -hmm. Thursday morning, I flew to Dallas and did Toronto-Dallas for TSN. And then flew home Friday. So I flew Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Six days in a row. That's insane. And all the prep and all the, you know, everything. Yeah. Uh, and so you're pre- I was prepping on the planes all the time, and uh, um, you know you get back right after the game, and you got to prep for the next game. Um, I mean, part of it's my own fault. I yeah. took the NBC game; the game popped up, and they were like, "Would you like to do it?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely," because Pierre is sick um, and recovering from uh, Pierre Maguire recovering from um, his prostate cancer surgery, and mm-hmm. um, so the game was available. They said, "Would you like to take it?" I said, "Sure." So it's my own fault. It's four and four. I would have had a leisurely tr- Wednesday travel day, but <laughs> nope. Still, so there's that, no use complaining about it. You just yeah. suck it up and do it, dude. That's, that's that's not on the road, yeah. though, Steve. I don't know how you are. If I'm on the road, I'd rather just work anyway. Yeah, I'm not sightseeing. I'm, if I want to go on holidays, I'll go on holidays. Yep. I, I just I don't want dead days. I like today's a dead travel day for me. I go to New York. I'll prep because I've got games on two consecutive days. I've got. Toronto and New York and, on Thursday, yep. and um, Vegas is in Minnesota on Friday for NBC. So I can prep ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll use the day as work, but I, I, I'd rather do stuff yeah. for work than just sit around. Four and four is crazy, though. By the way, that's yeah, that's uh, yeah, that uh, won't happen too often anymore, <laughs> I, I, unless until until the next time it happens. Right, right. Yeah, no, but let, let's not um, let's not hold uh, uh you know um. Let's not hold a memorial for you or anything. Like you did it yourself, so that, you know you you chose oh, yeah. to do it. I mean, right? I, yeah. It's my fault. Right. That it was like I could have said no to the NBC yep. game, and yep. my regular schedule would have been three games in four days, which is a busy week anyway. Yeah. With the travel, but Ottawa was in Minnesota and St. Louis, so I take those two games, yeah. and then the Thursday game was Toronto, which yeah. I'm going to do all the time. So that would have been fine. I just yeah. You know, I banged my own head against the wall, so that's no use complaining. It was, um. It's fun to do. Hell, I don't have to do the games, right? I can go do something else. But I, yeah. uh, I, uh, I love what I do, and that just turned out to be a busy week. Yeah, I got to, I got to watch you because I got the NBC game, Toronto, Chicago. So it was, it was a oh, real treat for me. Yep. Yes, it was a real treat for me. Um, that uh, Toronto was uh, was pretty good in the second half of the game mm-hmm. in Chicago, and they were outstanding in Dallas on Thursday. I think that's the best game they've played this year. Really, huh? It was good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was good. But the best game they played, yeah. Because um, McElhaney was playing for the first time in 35 days. I know, right? And, he was good. He and, was good. And he was really good. Yeah. Not just by a little bit. He was yeah. really good. Yeah, the Chicago game, not much happened for the first half. Not much was going on. And then, yeah, the Leafs kind of got better. They kind of started rolling, started taking the play to him. So, um, I'm happy. Yeah, two, two road games in two, uh, two nights is all right. Well, now they'll, now they'll get back. They'll get back at it. They start again tonight, and then uh, tonight is uh, what day is today? Uh, today? Today is Wednesday. They have uh, Islanders tonight yeah, in Toronto. Wednesday today and Thursday um, in New York. So I guess I should have known that since I told you I'm flying to New York. So. <laughs> exactly. We uh, you're still you're still discombobulated. I'm a week behind or a week ahead. I don't know. I mean, I'm and I'm also getting ready for the Olympics. I'm just yep. cramming like. Like you know what to, mm-hmm. to get everything in for the Olympics. I'm really interested about the Korean team. They got five guys named Shin. <laughs> do they really? And nice. They nice. do. And so we've got it. Yeah. It's like you know, there's a first part to the last name, but the last yeah. part is Shin. Yeah, Shin. Yeah, yeah. So it's something Shin, something Shin. Like there's five of them. Right. Right. 
Oh, that'll be it's great. So, I've never seen that before. That was a, that was a little bit of a giggle for me. Uh, coming up on the show today is uh, he's back at TSN, former uh, Toronto Maple Leaf and Tampa Bay Lightning, among others. Once coached by Gretzky, Mike Johnson will be on the show. Yeah, we get uh, Johnny's in Carolina, I believe, this morning. He did the Ottawa Carolina game with Gord Miller last mm-hmm. night, and uh, so he's got kind of an interesting schedule. We'll get him to outline it for him uh, or for us because his. He works for a couple of different people, and he's kind of like puzzle piecing it all together. Mm-hmm. And he was coached by Gretzky when he played, which is amazing. And he and he was, which um, not many were. Before we get Mike on the line, uh, Ray Yarmer Yager, the end is here. I'm sad. Uh, he's going to go back to check, and I think this is it. This has got to be it, right? But uh, I'm sad. Yarmer Yager is, is done in the NHL. Well, it it does seem like well not seem like it is it's got to be it um <laughs> right. the the crazy part about this is that people seem so surprised that this is how it ended and the reason i say that is the man's 46 years old like it's not like he's 36 he was gonna it was gonna happen mm-hmm. and he was gonna get slow or hurt or unproductive fast when it happened yep because Again, he's 46. He's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. His Whatever happened to him in Russia, when he went there, he rediscovered his love for the game. Mm-hmm. His work ethic, his work commitment, his love of the game just seemed to explode upon his return for, for us to see. Because even though his stats looked okay when he went to Washington, watch when he got traded from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Look at what happened the next year. When he went to New York, he had 120-something points. Yeah, his second-best like, year or something. Time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a time there where he had just lost it, lost his interest, lost his love for it, and it, and it really wasn't a, a very good look on him. But he's come back, and I thought it was a sideshow when he came back. Yep. I was blown away, Steve, with how good he was and how good he made the players around him. Look at the players, that, how they talk about him, but also the production they had playing alongside a Yonker. And it wasn't just Huberto and Barkoff yep. in Florida. And although those guys reap the benefits of it. But this is one of the top ten players of all time. I I, I don't really have I was gonna ask you where that. you put him. I was gonna ask you where you put him. Yeah, tell in the in the top ten for sure. Yeah. Really hard to, to of course judge against Rocket Richard and yeah. Eddie Shore and players of that. So I when I say top ten of all time, I mean top ten of what I know, which goes back to the seventies. Yeah. Was he just? You know, a, it's, real, it's, it's impossible to. People like to make these all-time lists. They happen yeah. all the time. Yep. But it's really hard to compare a player from 2016 to a player from 1937. In his prime, when you played against him, how did you handle him on the ice? He was so big. Didn't. You couldn't. <laughs> I mean, the guy's 235 pounds. Yep. You know, so he was on the ice a lot of times with Lemieux. Mm-hmm. So between the two of them, there's like 470 pounds on the ice, and they're both six foot four. They, they would hold the puck in their outside hand. You were literally four feet from the puck. Yeah. You know, like you felt like a little kid sometimes. <laughs> and, and um, there, you know, his strength, his creativity, his hands, his, you know, the, you'd go to lift his stick. It was like lifting a telephone pole. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just, just crazy how strong he was and how big to, to be in one yeah. package mixed with that skill. It, it was in his heyday, like in the very best days, he was an amazing player. Yeah, he was yeah. an amazing player right to the end, really. But in the heyday, yeah. amazing. Well, they were because he's done. They've been showing some highlights, and you're just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, look at that one, right? You forget, and you're just like, holy smokes. Could you imagine yeah. if he were playing in the rules of today? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at those goals where guys are literally hanging off him and Lemieux's backs. Yeah, you couldn't do that then. Yeah, or you couldn't do that now. Like they would have, been, would they have been better? Geez, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. How much better would they have been? Five Art Rosses and uh, and like Ray said, top ten all time. Um, let's uh, let's call MJ and get him in here. Perfect. All right, now promise on the Paul Pocky podcast with Ray Ferraro. Uh, he's back at TSN. He's part of the NHL Network. Uh, he's former Toronto Maple Leaf, which is uh, very happy to me. Mike Johnson, what's up, Mike? How are you? I am doing very well. Good to have me on. Talk to you guys both uh, every now and then. Listen in. One of my ones I listen to while I'm flying the airplane. So uh, happy to be on. Oh, wow. You hear that, Ray? Mike listens to us. 
Well, that's that's always good news. We'll have to um, so uh, we'll break the tradition and actually get him a gift or something for coming on. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> Why start now? Yeah, good point. Hey, MJ, I was uh, just going over my schedule on last week. I had one of these goofy weeks where. You know, in October, you schedule stuff, and it looks like a good idea, and then it shows up, and you go, man, I was in four games, four cities in four days. Uh, you know, like that dumb for me to schedule. You got a crazy schedule, though. So I'm saying to the listeners that because you work in a couple of different places, you got to mesh it all together. What's a normal week look like? Uh, you know, it's a good, usually in the winter, I try to take the weekends off because my kids are skiers, so I try to be able to have that. Saturday and Sunday off. So Monday to Friday gets jammed in. So let's just say next week, Ray, Monday morning, I will fly to NHL Network, work Monday night in NHL Network. Tuesday, take a cab to NBC. I'm in, in the studio at NBC in Stanford, Connecticut. Wednesday, back to NHL Network for an early shift. Fly back to Toronto for a night. Thursday, fly to Ottawa, do a game. Ottawa, Thursday, fly back Friday morning in studio at TSN. Friday night, and then jam up to my cottage for skiing on the weekend. That is my five-day week next week. It's, uh, oh boy. it's hectic, and uh, it's fun, but it's busy. Yeah, the calendar is an important thing, trying to plan these things all together. Now, how about the packing for the week? How, how much stuff, because it's different <laughs> when you're on games because you're not on camera very much. How many suits yeah. are you lugging around here? Like, are you, or have you got it down pretty tight? Well, the beauty of NHL Network is that I have clothes there. So whenever I go down oh, to New York, nice. bring anything. <laughs> I am traveling light, workout gear, and casual only. Um, so I don't bring anything to New York, and then I get home for the night, so it'll be just one suit to Ottawa. Listen, you live by the no-check bag rule. Like, I'll do anything. I went to Tampa. I did a game last Thursday in Montreal, flew to Tampa for the All-Star weekend of three days, where I'm on camera all day, every day. No-check bags. I jammed it in for one carry-on and a tennis racket to boot. I mean, I'll do anything before I check a bag. <laughs> uh, how about when you when you pull up at the airport, you're traveling and in a in a group, and one of your guys has a checked bag. Like he is a leper. Oh, forget it. He is not to forget be it. To spoken to again. That's it. <laughs> I will. I'll just. I'm see at the hotel. I will not wait for a check bag. I, like I don't care if it's an hour driving. Like you're on your own. I'm not waiting ten minutes. That is just irresponsible and selfish. <laughs> but, well, Ray, you know CC so well. Travel around with him, Chris Cuthbert. We were going out to do the playoffs a couple of, a few years ago, and you know playoffs could be anywhere from two weeks to even four if they blend Game Seven into Game Seven. If you're doing a couple rounds, and he showed up for the playoffs. With a check bag. I'm like, what? <laughs> how, are you, how are you going to last for two weeks on a checked carry-on bag? But he was uh, efficient with his packing. Well, what a, one of his great lines is, they have dry cleaning, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so you, just, you just reload it. Now, you were in Carolina last night, and the new owner there is pretty, um, has been pretty engaged, and he's got a lot of work to do. And one of the things he, you know, he, he changed right away. The fans come in, they walk right into the team stores so they can have better access to the merchandise. And, but last night he moved everybody into the lower bowl. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like? Was it strange? Was it, cause I think it would be odd if I bought a season ticket and I'm sitting next to a guy that just paid 15 bucks to move down to the sit next to me. Right. Well, that's the issue, right? Like, it sounds good in theory, but of course, if, yeah, if you paid full freight for a $100 ticket by the glass and you got the guy from the last row right beside you saying, I got it for eight bucks and a box of popcorn, you're like, well, wait a second. Yeah. Where do I, do I get my $92 back? Because I'm getting, I'm the, I'm the more valued customer and I'm getting the short end here. Um, I, I like the spirit. He's got a lot of energy. He's saying all the right things. He's talking about spending money. All great. But when you, you, you dump everyone down in the lower bowl and, and I guess it was more full, but the, and I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but the scary thing was, Ray, it's still pretty empty. Like, I mean, it wasn't even the lower bowl was full with nobody in the upper oh. one. I mean, it felt like a kind of, yeah. you know, relatively okay attended lower bowl game, kind of like 75% capacity, and that's with nobody upstairs. So um, I suppose it felt better for the guys in the ice because I was down between the benches. You don't generally look all the way to the top. You just kind of feel the crowd that's immediately behind the glass. Uh, but just when you take a step back, you're like, well, wait a second. If nobody's upstairs and if there's 16,000 seats, 
probably six are upstairs and 10 are downstairs. And we couldn't fill up the 10, so we probably had 7,000 people there. Um, you're right. He's got a little bit of work to do. On a pretty good team. That's the scary part. They're, like, they're not a bad team. Um, and they're still just getting by. Well, don't you think that's, that's become part of the problem there? They've, they are a pretty good team, but they never make the playoffs. And so people are, you know, they're tired of being, a, oh, gee, that's, we were close this year. They, they've got to put some tangible success season after season, don't they, before they can even expect people to be interested? Yeah, I mean, Carolina, like most American sports cities, except for, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, or most NFL teams, like if you don't win, well, look at an NBA rank. If you don't win, people don't come. So, yeah, that's part of it. And it just goes to show, Ray, when you look at this team the last few years, if you don't have a goalie, you're not going to win. No matter how many good things you do, and I think Bill Peters does a good job with this group, you don't win without a goalie. They thought they solved it with Scott Darling last year, and he's not been good in his first year as a starter. He's kind of struggled getting used to a new team and the new role. And so, again, you know, the fancy stats, is we can debate what they are, but, like, all their underlying analytics are very strong. But none of that means anything because they don't have good goaltending. And if you look at the bottom of the save percentage list, none of those teams are in the playoffs. So no matter how good you are or how much you can score, if you're the Islanders, if you don't have good goaltending, you're not going to score. And they thought they solved it last year with Darling, and they went out and got the, the, uh, the most highly sought-after free agent. And, you know, he hasn't been the answer. It's Cam Ward again. It's like 2006 all over again where Cam Ward's carrying the ball down the stretch trying to get them in the playoffs. Groundhog Day with Cam Ward. Yeah, yeah that, it's, it's, amazing that he's, it's amazing that he's, he's the guy they have to lean on because right now that's what they do. But when you, when you look around, you brought up the Islanders. Um, we're now getting into now that we're past the all-star break and there's no more breaks for anybody. It's just game day off, game day off pretty much for the, for the rest of the, of the way the, the playoff races are, are really jammed in a lot of, a lot of cases. I think that's a good thing, Mike, but when I hear Bettman say, um, even if they add a 32nd team, they're not inclined to add any more playoff teams. I think they're missing the boat that, um, and I'm curious what your thought is, that if it's now 16 of 32 teams, that means half of your fans don't even get a chance to get to the dance. I think that has mm-hmm. to increase. I'm curious what, what you think. Uh, I'm actually okay with it, Ray. I mean, I, I think, you know, half of 16 of 32, that's not that high of a bar. And, yes, I know the fans want to embrace and experience it. Playoff hockey, because that's really hockey at its best. That's where you're going to fall in love and become a lifelong fan. But with the standings the way you are, I mean, you know, with 30 games left in the season, in the East, if there's 16 teams, there's probably 12 of them, 11 of them that have a a legitimate shot of making the playoffs still. So while you may not make the playoffs, the fact that half the teams get in allow you to be engaged down the stretch where you think you have a chance, which is almost as important uh, certainly on the business model, because people still want to come and show up and, and watch if they think they have a chance. You don't want to be like the baseball team out of it with 90 games left. So right, I'm okay don't, you, don't you think, like Mike, a, don't you think, though, going forward from the playoff race that just falls short, if you do that enough, like Carolina, pretty soon you're selling what? Your Your hope is what? We can get into a race again next year? Isn't it a lot easier if I'm not saying add four more teams. Add a play-in game on each side if you have to do that. Like, make it drag a couple more teams to say that they or when they sell they uh, season tickets and ten game packages for the next year. They can say, yeah, we were in the playoffs. I think it matters from an optical standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it would be exciting and it would give people reason to cheer. I just, I guess maybe the mathematician in me, you know how I like the numbers, right? There's something. (laughs) Yes, I know you do. About about half the teams making it and half the teams not. I'm not super passionate either way. And I guess that means that I'm okay with it, with it being 16 of 32. Um, You could open up to 20 and have, you know, a whole, you know, some play in games to fill out the bottom four teams, Um, have a two or, you know, two out of three series. but again, I, I, I mean, think you're cool, though. What what would that feel like for you if you came eighth? And I know rules are rules, so if you don't, if you're eighth, 
become seventh if you don't want to do the play-in game. But you go and lose a one right. game play-in after 82 games grinding, being better than that other team. Let's say you beat them by 10 points. But let's say it's one of those weird years where it's not a close race. Right. And then you lose the one-off because, you know, the goaltender stands on his head and you're like, wait, we were the way better team. We just invested six months and that's it. We're done. <laughs> it would be, it'd be well, very exciting for the fans, but for the players, that would be tough to take. Well, I guess when you put it that way, <laughs> well, that would suck. You're like, wait a minute, we won five more games than them, and we wait a minute. You're going to have me arguing against myself here in about thirty seconds, <laughs> right. which I hate right. doing. Uh, yeah. I've we done my job properly. Perfect. Hey, Mike, we just talked before you came on about Yager and you know the fact that it, it's it's done for him. Um, what's uh, what's your thought of when you think of Yager? What do you, what do you think of? I guess. Um, you know, obviously a few different things, like the stylistic, like his physical, you know, the, the, the large backside that he used to great effect to the point where Ray, you played against him down low or tried to, I did or tried to, yeah. it gets to the point where I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even check him. Like I just stand there like, Hey, well, I'm not going to bother at some point. You're going to turn around because the puck has to get to the net because I can't do anything by bumping into you from behind. So whatever, I'm not going to waste my energy or waste your time. Let's just get on with the next battle. Um, you know, I think about that. I think about the hair. I think about his ability to one-time pucks, like like a snapshot. Like he was so strong in his hands and his wrists that he could get so much velocity from awkward places that he was that he was difficult to cover because you thought you'd be close to him, but you were never close enough the way you could shoot it. And the other part about it, kind of later in his career, is when I first got in the NHL, 96, 97, you know, he had the reputation as a guy who was an incredible player, but, you know, a little indifferent about the game and, you know, lived a fun life and was great at hockey, but maybe not as committed as some to his craft. And since he came back in the KHL, that narrative, whether it's true or not, and whether the new one is true or not, I don't know, but that narrative has changed so much where now he became, you know, a valued mentor a great veteran in the room, a guy who the young players could look up to that would train at night and show them how to be pros and, and, and treat every day like it's important. And it's just such a stark difference from what I perceived him to be early in his career to how he was kind of really um, respected for his off-ice stuff later. It, um, I, I also, to, to that, I couldn't, I, I thought it was a, a bit of a sideshow when he came back. That's like oh, mm-hmm. really seriously, and I was blown away with how how it all changed for him. The thing I remember, and I mentioned just a little earlier, Mike was remember when you go try to lift his stick? <laughs> it was like lifting a telephone pole. I'm like, you know, why bother? I mean, at my size, I couldn't do it. It was a waste of time. Yeah, he he had the strength, right? I mean, he just overwhelming strength, and he, I don't know if he was a weight room guy, but apparently, since he was five years old, he was doing thousands of squats a day. You know, do that math and see how many squats he's done in his life. But yeah, he just, he was just more skilled, but also significantly physically stronger. And not many guys are like that. You know, Char is stronger than everyone, but not many guys are just stronger than you by a lot. He was. And then you had the, the, the clothes and the skills. And you're like, like when you try to check him, whether you're you or me or just about anyone, really, you're like, what am I really doing here? Right? I'm just trying to get in the way and hopefully he passes it. Because I can't take it off him. Like, I, can you imagine Ray the warm up drill at the beginning of practice? Coaches, okay, a little one on one keep away. Ferraro Johnson go in the corner, and we're putting it through each other's feet and taking a talk off each other. Imagine doing that drill, Yager. Like, just call me <laughs> guys would be when the drill's over. <laughs> guys would be running from that. I don't want to go with him. But it's like the big kid in Bantam. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to go against him, man. That guy's too big. <laughs> MJ, what's um, what has been, or what do you? focused in on here the last little bit like for me i i can't believe what vegas is doing they did it again last night yeah. they got three goals in under a minute um like i'm blown away i'm really interested in winnipeg i'm here i did the game last night they're really good um it's kind of cool to see some some new and interesting stories um and so that's kind of what i'm most focused in on on this back 30 games of the year yeah i mean you, obviously vegas you can't say enough about um 
But listen, if Michael Forley is going to shoot the puck off his own goalie's pads for rebounds, like, how are you going to beat them? I mean, did you see what he did last night? Like, not only did he kind of what pass it towards Mike. Was he passing it to the you can do MJ? He can, he can handle it. But you can't right yeah, it off you his think pads. he was expecting to do it? Would you think he was passing that to the D? Like, what was he thinking? I think he thought Brody was going to slide to the corner, corner, and Brody slid to the middle, and he, and he got out of the pass lane. Yeah. But, even, <laughs> but with two minutes left, that's like a pretty risky play, anyways. But yeah, Vegas is is great to watch, and now it, it's no longer about the playoffs. Of course, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the division. They have the biggest lead on their division of anyone. They're eleven points up on San Jose. Eleven. So they're going to they're, they're going to finish first. So now it's like. What do they do down the deadline? I, they're not going to trade David Perron. They're not going to trade James Neal. I can't imagine. They're just going to keep the group together, maybe resign them. But they've lost three games at home so far this year. Three. So now it's no longer will they make the playoffs, but how deep can they go? Because they're legit. If they get the goaltending they're getting, um, they're going to be good. But, you know, I, wanna, I like watching the races at the bottom. The ones at the top are fun because they're good stories. You know, is Boston going to catch Tampa, whatever. But there's three New York teams involved in the chase of the Metro. New Jersey, the Rangers, the Islanders, you got Carolina, Philly. Like, some really good teams are going to miss there. I'm worried about the Islanders. I'm worried about the Devils. Will they be able to hang on? Um, I don't want to watch that. And same thing in the bottom of the West. Minnesota's got great expectations. Anaheim's out right now, and they're a cup favorite if they were ever going to get healthy. Chicago perennial power are way back. they got to jump over four teams to get in the playoffs, even though they're only four points. I like watching the chases at the bottom more so than the ones at the top. Yeah, well said. I agree on that. And uh, being here in Vegas, I went to the Islander game before the break, and it was the fans were angry at the loss. And I'm like, hey, guys, guys, it's expansion team. <laughs> they were very angry after the Islanders shut them out. But or no, it was 2-1. Um, but, uh, hey, Mike Johnson, thank you for the time on the, on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll, we'll get you back on because uh, I just got to hear more about being coached by Gretzky stories. I just have to hear more. <laughs> um, you, want, you want to hear about him swearing at me and shaking his head as we try to practice three-on-ones and can't score? <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Oh, oh it's a bad. isn't it AMJ? Isn't it kind of funny though now that we're older and more removed? You look back at things, and all you can do is laugh at yourself and go <laughs> like, "What was going on then?" And you just like, I guess that's what makes our stories when we talk and laugh and compare makes it so fun now. Is it? It's too long past. It's too long to worry about anymore. So it's just funny now. Yeah, the, the, you don't care about it anymore at the time, though. I was mortified. Imagine, like, okay, this is what he's doing when I can't score in practice. What must he be thinking when I can't score in a game? <laughs> what, what he really cares what's going on. And it's no wonder I only lasted one year and was traded shortly thereafter. So, uh, apparently, he might have been a better GM than coach anyway because he got rid of me quickly. Well, fantastic. Well, hey, uh, Mike, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it on the show. Thank you. All right, guys, anytime. Race safe travels, and we will see you sometime, I'm sure, as our paths will cross. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks to Mike Johnson and uh, a TSN. Great stuff. With such a limited time in which to enjoy your watercraft, don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect your property in the event of accident or theft. Let Wyatt Dowling ensure you are properly covered. Leave your worries at the door. All points marine coverage. I know it is January 31st right now, but uh, hey, you got winterization coverage if you need it, or vermin coverage also. Thanks to allpointsinsurance.ca. Uh, Go there and uh, please get at your watercraft protected uh, and uh, all risk agreed value protection. Uh, great company, great guys, and uh, thanks for the support on the podcast. All right, back to Ray. Ray, uh, Mike Johnson, good guy, uh, real funny stories, and uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf, which is very important. Yeah, he's a real sharp guy too. Like I, I like the way he, um, you know he's a numbers guy, yet he's he's not so much a numbers guy that you know that it it you can't stomach it. Like sometimes I think the the numbers become overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I like how Mike weaves it into what he knows as a player and a broadcaster, and then he uses some numbers to support. Like I think that's that's really the way that it it should be done. I I I always find that. Uh, I come away kind of entertained and educated mm-hmm. when uh, when I talk to MJ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's talk All Star Game. I, I, I probably shouldn't admit this on the show. I watched two minutes of it. I just I don't know. Um, I traveled back from from Arizona and 
it doesn't excite me like it used to. I I, I, I don't know, Ray. I, what did you think of the All Star Game this year? Well, I I mean, I taped it yep. and um, and the skills because you know my kids are eleven and eight and they love to watch it. Yep. And so I I think what gets lost in this is that whether me or you love it or not really isn't the point. The point is that it's a it's a deal for the sponsors. Mm-hmm. It's a deal for the league to get everybody together. The kids love it. They yep. love seeing their favorite players do do events they don't ever get to see them do. They think that's really entertaining. My kids found the three-on-three games good, yep. like fun to watch. Um, I mean, they'll watch breakaways all day. They yeah, love it. Why not, right? Yeah. I found that for the first time, I like the the game better than the skills. Yeah. I, I, I found it just fine. I didn't yeah. have a problem with it. I, I mean – People can bitch and complain all they want about, oh, it's not real hockey. It's not, you know, it's a three-on-three. Well, when they played five-on-five, it was worse. Yeah. Because more guys are standing around. This way you've got to skate or else you look like a dope. Like you're just standing there and there's five other guys flying all over the ice. So I think it's a better format. Um, I don't think it particularly matters whether um, there's money on the line or not. I think the guys, the the hope to not be embarrassed is... Mm -hmm. Is something that pushes them along pretty good. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was just fine. And um, it sounds like Tampa did an amazing job, and everybody had a had a great time there. Uh, you played in one All Star game, nineteen ninety two, uh, Wales Conference. That must be up there in the highlights uh, of your career because uh, Messier, Lemieux, Yager, that, that you know Wayne on the other yeah, side. Yeah, there was um, there was a little bit of disbelief in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had 25 goals at the all-star game and I walked into the room and, you know, I was having a hell of a year and then yep. you look around at those guys that you're, you're there with and you, there is a little bit of, I'm not sure I belong here. Right. Um, you know, even though, you know, by that time at, in 91, 92, I was 27, 28 years old. Yeah. And so, you know, I was secure in my career by that point, but I was, I was a little bit awestruck, to be honest with you. I was really nervous in the skills. Yeah. Um, we were doing the puck relay, and Joe Sackick lost the puck in front of me. And that really relaxed me. I was like, man, if Joe loses it, what the hell's the matter? What I do, <laughs> right? So right. I was more worried about screwing up the course, mm-hmm. like going in the wrong direction. So right. um, it, it was all it, it all turned out great. And and I guess you know, even at the time, but looking back, what what I loved. Uh, was my dad and my mom were able to come. By the time I called them, when I found out, I called them to tell them that I had made the all-star team. Um, they had already heard it was on the radio. Nice. So, yeah. you know, so they had already started booking their tickets, which <laughs> I thought was amazing. Right. You know, they, they weren't asking, hey, is it all right if we come? Yeah, they were yeah. like, yeah, we're booking our tickets. So do you, I, uh, it was awesome. Do you remember anybody caring about the result in the room in between periods or anything or on the bench? Did, did people care? No, the only thing I remember was I think Don Beaupre gave up seven goals or six goals in the <laughs> second period. Okay. And the guys on the bench going, man, we got to help him out. This sucks. You know, like right. he was just getting torched because we were kind of standing around, I guess. Right, but right, right. That's what I remember about it. The uh, before the skills, I remember Paul Coffey riding the bike mm-hmm. uh, because he had to do the uh, the fastest skater. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, so he obviously didn't want to get hurt. And the rest of everybody else was just sitting around watching him ride the bike because we weren't doing that. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, it, you know what? You're right. At the end of the day, it's it's a sponsor's game. It's for kids. And if everyone has fun, then who, who cares, you know? But, um it, it it does seem different from my youth, but maybe it's just my old age getting 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 me. But you know what I used to like, Steve, and and I'm older than you, but I liked the when the All Star games were, um, you know, you, you didn't see the players all the time. We didn't have access to as many games, yeah. as as we have now. And then I always found it fascinating to see what number the players were going to wear. I'm with you, because yes, when had, yes. When they had duplicate numbers, you're like, oh, man, so-and-so's wearing number 21. He's usually number 16. Yep. I love that stuff. Yep. I was with you, and, and then you were like, oh, that guy's got more weight than that other guy or whatever. Like, yeah, he's got more pull, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I like that. Um, some of the news out of the All-Star game was Gary Bettman said that there's going to be a memo uh, put out 
goalie interference, uh, the calls, we've been seeing some horrible calls on the ice, whether it was the Austin Matthews goal against Colorado, whether it was the Connor McDavid goal. Um, this is being parsed and picked apart, and we talked about this two weeks ago on the last show. Bettman said that he's going to instruct the referees to, unless it's egregious, go with the call you know that that's on the ice that it was a goal. Um, stop being so ticky-tack. And, uh, I mean, I guess I like it, but I'm not sure how you you see something on video and then you just say, ah, no, that's okay. I don't know how that's going to work, right, is what I'm saying. Well, I, I, I like it. I like the direction. I yep. think the officials will like the direction of it as well. Um, how it works, I, I think they'll there'll be more more of a wider view of yeah okay he um he touched him with his stick there like he got his stick into his pad but mm-hmm. it didn't affect anything it's a goal like okay. i think yeah, that's yeah. kind of how it's going to work that's how my my um my vision of it is i certainly hope that's the way it is uh because it's uh it's turned into a knee-high mess oh, right now. Dude. It, it's just like the NFL catch rule that we were talking about. It's exactly like that, where you're all sitting there going, that's a catch, and it's not. And you're like, and that's a goal. Like, How could yeah. it not be a catch? And then you're like, oh, I see the, the <laughs> nose of the football. T- you know, yeah. It shouldn't be that hard. I think, I think review is a really good thing until it's like anything else. It's overused. Yeah. Um, and so now it's it's become overused and dissected and you know each play gets to a point where you can't even possibly tell right from wrong anymore so i i like the directive from the league yeah i hope they i hope you know i hope that it sticks and yeah don't take goals off the board some of these calls have been well, just now ridiculous now we're going to find out though right, right. we're going to it it sounds good and now let's see it in practicality but i i like that they it, at least they've acknowledged that okay this is a mess and yeah it's got to be cleaned up. Uh, before the break, as I was saying uh, with, with MJ, I went to the Knights-Islander uh, game. Um, they lost. It was amazing. They lost. Just really, it was really weird. But um, Matthew Barzell was great. Uh, I watched him in closely. Wanted to see this guy up close. And, uh, man, he – I don't know, Ray. Is, am, I, am I far off? He reminds me of a slower Paul Correa. You know what I mean? Like, uh, very creative, very – he circles back. He looks for things. It was great. See, I think more I think more Danny Savard. Okay, sure. Um, yep. Because the way Savard would turn back into the play and, you know, hold on to the puck. He'd hold on to it way past where you thought he was going to hold it, and then all of a sudden a play would open up. Yep. That's, that's what I – Korea's good too, yep. but it's more Savard to me, maybe because he's right-handed okay. like Danny was. Right. Um, and, and that becomes a lot of my visuals, but – I, I've been, you know, I've known Matt uh, for for quite some time. He's from Vancouver, from mm-hmm. a, just a suburb of Vancouver, and so the the guy that helped him out coaching, or helped coach him when he was young, uh, was also coaching. Um, we had a group of players that included like Carl Alsner and my son Landon and okay. uh, um, Tyler Johnson and um, Patrick Weirkosh and Cole mm-hmm. Tubert, who was a uh, first rounder by the Kings, like it was a uh, Martin Jones was the goalie. It was a phenomenal group, and so Barzell was way younger, but he'd come out and pass pucks around a little bit. He was on with the group before, and he was really a, always a fabulous little skater. Yeah, and now you see him, and he's just so dynamic. Um, you know, I I think it's a one-two hand-in-hand race, him and Brock Besser for Rookie of the Year. So Besser gets the All-Star uh, MVP. Uh, yeah, I don't think that matters. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I don't think. So who's your Calder vote today? Well, you see Besser a lot. You you know Barzell. Who who gets the call, your Calder vote if you had a vote? Well, I I, it, I would say Barzell today. Mm-hmm. But if Besser scores thirty-five goals, I think it's Bar. I think it's Besser. Okay. You know Barzell's yep, yep. got a points lead, and I think that that helps sway the vote, but it, it's way harder to score. Um, even though what Matt does yeah. is, is so creative and so rare. Yep. I mean, that's pretty rare what he does, the way he does it. But what the fact of the matter is, is that, um, you know, Besser finishes and yeah. he's, he's got a shot like very few players in the league. Yeah, he does. So I, I, it would be a shame that one of them's not going to win. Because yeah. this is one of those years where you go, yeah. you know what? They both are phenomenal. Yeah, and what? that takes away some of the guys that are having great years too. 
Um, but they're, you know, it's Besser and Barzell for me. I, I, I thought watching Barzell was great. I really enjoyed it. I was telling my wife about it. I'm like, watch this guy. Watch that guy right there. Um, yeah, look how he's just entertaining. He is. And, and it's is. hard to be entertaining, you know. <laughs> he, he was in his zone looking to break out. He was against the boards. And he threw some head and shoulder fakes at a guy just to get out of the zone. A simple little thing like that. You're like, oh, look at that. You know what I mean? Like, it was cool. Um, really creative guy. So, um, speaking of the Islanders, that uh, the game I watched, Josh Bailey's having a great year. He's a UFA. What do you do with him? I mean, is this the new norm? Is this just a very fortunate year? Do you re-sign well, him? Or what? Like, he's no, going to get you big. Re-sign th- him. Yeah. No, you re-sign him for sure. The, the problem is um, he's number two on the priority list mm-hmm. after Tavares. Yeah. Yep. And if you don't get Tavares signed, is Bailey as good? I know, right? That's number one. Yep. Number two is if you don't get Tavares signed, that makes signing Bailey even more important because you can't lose them both. Yep. Um, and so, like everything in New York, uh, it's all going to run through John Tavares' hands. But, yes, they have to get him signed. This is a, he's having an amazing year. Um, and, he, and you're at the point where you don't really have a choice. I, I think you've got to get him locked. Next item on the agenda before we wrap here on the show, Ray, for this week. Uh, I want to get your take on this. I, I never really heard anything on some of your radio hits. Maybe I missed it. The Edmonton Oilers hired Paul Coffey as a skills coach. People were upset about this. <laughs> What's your take yeah, on it? Yeah, they're they're upset about it because you know it's back to the yep you know it's back to the old group again, and I don't know why they can't get away from it. You know, like there's <laughs> there there's no way to seemingly separate the present from the past. Yeah, and I thought the new building was going to be a great time to do that. But since that time, you know, they brought Wayne Gretzky in. They brought now Paul Coffey in. It, like, it's like they can't quite separate it. I, from, I don't know Paul as a coach. I don't really know him as a guy, mm-hmm. um, um, really. But I know he's, he's, not, um, he's not a fly-by-night guy. It's not like he hasn't been around the game. It's not like he, right. you know, he's just dropping in from outer space. That being said, there are... There, you know, his views of the game, I'm sure, would be helpful. But as far as being a, a skills coach, um, the people that teach it aren't necessarily the best players. Yeah, yeah. The people that teach it well. And so I don't know how he's going to do. I just, I would prefer the Oilers separate one from the other. But they just, they just can't seem to do that. It's got the owner's fingerprints all over it, don't you think? Well, it's the owner, it's Wayne Gretzky, it's, you know, like, it's the whole band. And and I I just, I don't know, at some point, you you can't let the championships of the 1980s define your team in 2018. You just can't. And yet, when you talk about the Oilers, it always rounds about to those, um, you know, to those championship teams, those Mm -hmm historically great championship teams. We should get Ryan Rashog back on to find out what he thinks of this. It's, yeah. it's, it's a good takes on, on the Oilers when we had him on a couple weeks ago. So, um, I, think it's, I think it's pretty universal that it was a, yeah. a move that people didn't quite see and a move that um, is, is met with a lot of skepticism. And Really, it's got nothing to do with Paul. It's got everything to do with the eight moves in front of it right. that have had to do with those teams. Before we uh, before we go, we'll circle back to the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, because um, I because I want to. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev is back, I think tonight or or maybe tomorrow in New York. He'll be back soon. Um, Travis Dermott, you got a close look at him for a couple of games. I think he's going to come out because that's how Mike Babcock is going to work. But what do you nope. what do you predict? Okay, nope. All right. I, I think Dermott's staying in. Um, they practiced yesterday, and Dermott was in. Mm-hmm. He's really good. Okay, so he's yeah. really good. Actually, I was a bit surprised. The seventh D at practice yesterday was Roman Polak. Yep. Um, so that third pair was Dermot and Carrick. That's surprising. We'll see if that's how they go into it. Yep. Now, don't forget, they've got one more guy to come back, Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. I think they'll find a spot for him. <laughs> yeah. So that D, uh, Travis Dermot, I think, has thrown maybe a little bit of a wrench into what they have on the blue line. He's really good. Um, I don't know if he's ready 
to be an everyday guy quite yet. Mm-hmm. But if he's not, he's really close. He's agile. He's kind of he, he's physical enough. He moves the puck well. Um, I like him a lot. It'll be interesting because Babcock's not, you know, he wants that force guy, that rough guy, Polak, in there. You know, Carrick. Well, Carrick will be yeah, out. He wants, yeah. to ba- he wants to balance. He wants to balance his defense out for sure, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know going into the playoffs how much trust you have in a young guy, or if you say, you know what, he's just good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. You're right. All right, Ray. Um, anything else? Uh, no, that pretty well wraps it up, I think. Uh, okay. Any questions? Anything you want to fire up? Um, yeah, I got some if you got a little bit more time. Yeah, we got a couple. Okay, there, let's, sure. uh, let's pull that up. Um, absolutely. We asked for them last week, and then, of course, we uh, couldn't quite get to them. So. Um, all right, let's go to – can we get Gordon Miller on the pod sometime soon? We will, from Josh. Absolutely. We will. He's highly priced, so. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, we got a couple of Oilers questions uh, from fans. Jonathan Bernier, Ray. Um, uh, somebody wanted to ask about Jonathan Bernier and if he got a raw deal with the Maple Leafs. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, he was the goaltender there when they were really bad. And um, so if you're the goalie of a bad team, your your numbers look stinky. And so they they went, like, to say he got a raw deal, they went out and got Frederick Anderson. Mm-hmm. Frederick Anderson is better than Jonathan Bernier. Yep. And so Bernie got to keep playing. He went to Anaheim, and now he's in Colorado. He's on a terrific run, although he lost 4-3 last night to the Canucks. Um, but as far as a raw deal, no, I don't think so. Uh, Herb Powell says, is there any player from Team Canada or the USA Olympic roster that could play well enough to earn an NHL deal for this year or next? That's an interesting question. Like, you know, um... Yeah, I... I... See, that's hard to answer because mm-hmm. the guys I think of first are the college guys. Yep. Um, you know, and they're going to be players um, uh, for the U.S. They've got uh, four of them. Um, uh, Troy Terry uh, is with Anaheim. Uh, Ryan Donato is with Boston. Jordan Greenway is with Minnesota. And Will Borgen, I believe, is with Colorado. And all four of those guys are going to be NHL players. Um, once they finish the, right. you know, their college seasons, they'll probably sign. And um, and and I would think they'll they'll get either into into the NHL or into the AHL depending on what their team's needs yeah. are at that time or what their playoff run is. As far as the um, the older guys, yeah. well, we don't we don't see them, so I don't know. Um, I'll have a better I'll have a better feel for it uh, when I come back from Korea. Uh, John Contact says game worn jerseys are always being sold or auctioned off. Ray, were you given the choice to keep any of your jerseys? And if so, which ones do you still have? I've got I've got one from every team. Um, so if, if that, so I've got six of them. Yep. Plus my team Canada jerseys. Um, so uh, the the ones you can um, you can tell like if they're authentic or not. Mine have my father's initials stitched in the inside co- collar of the base. Oh, okay. Um, and so. I, I can I can spot a jersey and I can tell you yeah. immediately whether whether it's a fake or not. Do you find some? Do people hit you up with, "Hey, uh, this game worn jersey is on eBay," or this game this guy's got a game worn Ferraro jersey or anything? Like, do you ever? Yeah, they don't. Nobody asks to sign it. I do see them mm-hmm. once in a while, um, and there's there's some like uh, I see and I know they're just not legit. Yeah, and there's nothing I can do about it. But there's just imagine what they are for. Wayne Gretzky yeah. or, or guys like that. I saw a beautiful Jeff O'Neill Canes one when, when I saw the Hurricanes and Knights. Now, now you know, Jeff would be able to tell you immediately <laughs> whether that's authentic or not. Yeah. Uh, from Caspi, uh, favorite golf course near Trail. You might make some enemies, Ray, with this, but Birchbank, Rossland Country Club, or Castle Gar Golf Club? Uh, Birchbank for me, but I haven't played Rossland since they redid the course. Mm-hmm. And so... So uh, that might change, but um, I grew up playing. I learned to play at Birchbank. Um, that's the that's the course of my youth, and uh, um, I, I also love. Uh, they didn't put it on there, but I love Christina Lake, which is about 40 minutes away. And uh, I will get back up there this spring, and I'm going to play them all. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, last question. I had to ask this one from Seabass uh, 08. 
Did Ray ever play in the Whalers softball game versus the police department? Absolutely. I don't know what this was about, but yes, Ray. Nice. Okay. Yeah, of course. That was a, that was a charity thing for us and uh, played in that game. The first time I had ever met um, uh, the the police guys was at, at those tournaments. And then you, you find out they're, we just had, you know, they were awesome guys and we ended up becoming friends with a lot of them, but the games were, the games were fun. And, uh, and of course you're trying to, you're trying to not look like a donkey out there. I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid, so it wasn't, yeah, wasn't you were so bad right. for me. Yep. But for some of the guys, they were like, man, they didn't want the ball coming anywhere near them. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, everybody, that's Ray Ferraro multitasking on the podcast from the hotel to the cab to the airport. I'm, I'm in the airport now in Winnipeg, and I'm going to try. I don't fly out of here much, so I'm kind of wandering around making sure that I get to the right spot. Yeah, you got to go on the right-hand side of the thing. It's the USA yeah. down on the right. No, um, I'm not going to the U.S. I'm not going to the oh. U.S. first. Got to go through Toronto first. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so oh. I got it. I'm going to the left. Thanks for your help. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, thanks to Mike Johnson for coming on from TSN NHL Network. Uh, and to Ray, thank you. We'll be back next week. Awesome, Steve. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. I'll be on a be my last one uh, before I get to Korea. Fantastic. Thanks, Ray. See you, Steve. Thanks.